Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, this episode is a really, really cool one, and it is with my new friend, Sean Kramer, and I'm super excited for you to meet this guy. We'll talk about it in the interview, but it's so funny how we connected. So really, at the last minute, I decided to go to the NCSG Chimney Sweep Show in Las Vegas this year. And and honestly, I, I'd heard about it for a long time. I'd never been to a chimney convention before, and I kind of decided even just like three, four weeks before the show that I would go. And my mind was blown. I mean, honestly, this show is incredible. And in many ways, they have figured out a lot of things that us on the fireplace side at our trade shows have not figured out. And it was very powerful to to just be around so many people that were hungry to learn and that cared about their community of business leaders. It was it was really, really special. But at this, I actually ran in a 5K. It's so awesome. They had a they had a 5K called the Chimney Chase. And me and Sam O'Donnell from Wi-Fi ran at it, and I connected with Sean just by hearing him talk about the fact that he had a podcast for chimney sweeps as we're walking out to this 5K. And we totally connected over this, and it was really funny. We had we had very similar backgrounds in that we both used to play punk rock music, and we both live on the West Coast, and and we really hit it off. And so as we as we spent some time talking throughout this show, I learned a lot about his journey and and basically how he got into the the chimney sweeping industry at a young age and really in the last 3 to 4 years bought out the original founder of his business to become a 100% business owner in his company and just the struggles and the journey of how do we do things differently than what's been done before while while not throwing away what's worked you know what about the pressure of feeling like I'm letting my team down or, or how do I invest in my team so that they know that this is a place they can stay at long term? I mean, we had some really cool conversations at the show. And as I started listening to his podcast, it was just really cool getting to hear him speak about his life and the struggles and challenges that he goes through. Now, for anybody who wants to hear his podcast, we'll link to it in the show notes, but it's on Spotify and it's called Life of a Chimney Sweep. And I I would highly recommend it for anyone who's a young business owner and just struggling in the industry. Now, before we get into the conversation, one thing that was so interesting about this NCSG show is like... There's a distinct difference between chimney and fireplace companies. And frankly, I will say that most chimney and fireplace companies that I have met have a very inaccurate perception of the other. And we don't need to go down the rabbit hole with it. But I think that we need to have an olive branch go between these industries because there is so much that we can learn from each other. There are two different models of business that are both very successful and I think that, yeah, there's there's a lot we can learn. I mean, talking to fireplace retailers especially, I will tell you that chimney sweeps are hungry. In general, like they're actually quite young, many of them, but they are willing to work to grow their business. Many of them are serious, serious business people, and they are in thousands of homes a year. And these people are never walking into your showroom. They're just straight up buying out of the truck in the house. 
And that's a good business model that that hearth retailers need to take advantage of. And on the flip side, you know, the hearth retailer has something very powerful in the intentionality and focus of the showroom. And and truly, they're going after two different clients. And I'm excited to continue to try to bridge this gap between these industries because there's so much we can learn from each other. But I'll tell you the biggest thing at the NCSG show was just how much people cared. I couldn't believe it. I was watching competitors in the same city referred each other to product lines and services so they could just help out their fellow chimney sweep. And they just said, look, there's more than enough business for everybody here. There's no way we could handle it. Even if all of our competitors went out of business, we're going to help everyone get there. And it was powerful to watch that. So I'm going to jump out of the way and let you hear this conversation. I absolutely have some wrap up thoughts at the end. Joining me from Wairika, California, is the owner of Holy Smoke, Inc. I'm here today with Sean Kramer. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Tim? Hey, I'm doing really good, man. I'm, I'm excited we could have this conversation, and I think it's going to be really fun. You know, I was laughing about this just as, as I was getting ready for, for the interview at just our how much common ground we have. So I want to <laughs> kind of tell the story a little bit about how we met, but you like me, have a history playing punk rock music and somehow that's prepared you for what you're doing today, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's so funny how that works. And, uh, you know, just to rewind it back a little bit. So we met at the NCSG chimney show. Gosh, I mean, just, just a month ago, it seems like, and we were getting ready to do a 5k run, which is amazing that they, that they do that at that show. And I just overheard you talking about how you had a podcast and that kind of got me, you know, talking and all of a sudden we found all this common ground and yeah, it was just, it was awesome getting to meet you. And it's just really funny how, how that worked out with us, us having so much in common. I totally agree. It, it's, it, yeah, it is kind of funny how certain paths cross and then you realize, oh, hey, wait, we've got that in common and, and kind of gives us a basis to build a relationship. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that uh, I got the opportunity to meet you and that we're doing this podcast now. It's, it's pretty sweet. So yeah. And I'll, I want to ask you at the end kind of about your own journey with your podcast, because I think that that's really cool. But maybe to set it up first, I, I want to talk about about how you got into the business, because, you know, you're a young guy, you you have, you know, fairly recently taken over owning this business and, and you're trying to figure that out. I think there's a lot of folks like you in our industry that that are in the same spot. But but first off, like how did you get into the chimney business? Yeah. So um, it started when I was 18. Um, I had gotten out of high school. I was working for a like a nursery slash feed store. Um, I had uh, through my teenage years, I had, I had worked for a general contractor and picked up a lot of skills through that, but I wanted like a real job and um, a friend got me a job at this nursery and I was kind of into landscaping at the time. So I thought, Oh, well, I'll learn more about plants and things like that being in a nursery, but uh, getting into the chimney industry was just, it, just by chance. It just kind of happened. Um, I got a call from the previous owner, um, Tony Reitz, and uh, one day, just randomly, and he called me up, and I knew his daughters. Um, in a way, they're kind of family friends, and um, he just said, hey, uh, we need to hire someone. We need some help. Uh, would you be interested in coming to work for us? And, you know, he it was really short, just very simple, and I was like, sure. I don't know. That sounds better than what I'm doing right now. So why not? And that's, I mean, the, the conversation literally was like two minutes and uh, it, that's how I got started and jumped into it a couple weeks later. And um, 
and it's been a journey. You know, there's been lots of ups and downs, but um, but I'm really glad to be a part of it, and uh, I appreciate it more and more every day, to be honest. So yeah. yeah. Well, it was cool again to meet you and your team in Vegas because it seems like you really are trying to to do right by them. You're really trying to make sure that you run a business that is generous and sets the people up in your company to win. And and that's really cool. You know, there's a lot of people maybe that want that but but aren't actually taking the steps to to make that happen. It seems like you're really on that journey. The thing that I want to know though, so you you'd worked at this company for a long time, right? Before you decided to buy it. At what point did you even think like maybe I want to be a business owner someday? Yeah, so it's kind of a, always an unspoken thing when I got hired on. Um, you know, when I got hired on, um, the previous owner and his wife, Jeannie, um, you know, they were in their 60s. And, um, you know, I think they, even at that time, were already kind of thinking about retirement. And um, in 2014, so I'd been been working with them for seven years, um, they, they got a little bit more serious and asked, you know, did I want to buy a piece of the company, be a part owner? So I actually started as a part owner in the business. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so in 2014, I bought into the company as, as a third shareholder. And, um, and we ran it together for, um, well, up until 2019. So we ran it together yeah. for five years. Um, now when I say ran it together, uh, I was a part owner, but, uh, to be honest, I didn't feel like much of a business owner. They were still running yeah. the business, you know, we were still running it how they had modeled it. And, uh, I just got some of the perks and got to help out with some, some of the more bigger decisions. Um, sure. and, I was still just the primary tech out in the field, you know, working. That was still kind of my role in the company. Um, and also too, at that time, I didn't really have like a huge desire to run a business to be completely honest. Um, you know, when we started talking about it a little bit more seriously, it just seemed like the right thing to do at that time. You know, it's like, Oh, well, this is the next step is to be, be a part owner, you know? And, and the idea, you know, was to take over at some point. Um, but to be honest, there was a point in time where I wanted to get out of it. Um, I'd kind of hit this, this wall a little bit uh, internally. And I started having some other opportunities pop up that just kind of fueled me a little bit more um, with my personality and my behavior style. And I saw some other opportunities I wanted to jump on and I felt tied. I felt trapped to be, to be honest, you know, being, being a co-owner. And so there's a period of time where we actually decided that we were all three of us, were going to sell the company and kind of just go our own ways. Um, And then that, yeah, that totally shifted when, um, when my wife got pregnant with our first child. And (laughs) then I really had to start thinking, I mean, because we were thinking about moving and, and, and uh, starting a whole new career like really starting from the ground up, you know, and um, I was really looking at starting uh, another business and in music, actually uh, building drums. That was, yeah. um, had become a passion of mine uh, in that period of time. And, and there was a huge opportunity to do it. And uh, I was ready to jump in, you know, feet first. And, um, but, uh, you know, having a child will change you. That's for sure. And sure. I really had to start thinking about, okay, well, can I support this family doing that? And, um, you know, I really thought about it hard and my wife and I had a lot of conversations and we finally said, you know what, 
what I'm, what I'm doing is it's a great career. It's always provided for us. Um, but if we're going to do this, I want to do it a hundred percent. And I had to make that, that shift in my mind, you know, um, that this is what we're going to do. And it's funny because once I made that shift, I, I began to love it more and more. It, yeah. um, you know, even that rut I had gotten into and just kind of, and I think it was because of, uh, we, I wasn't progressing. I wasn't putting myself out there and I wasn't learning more. Um, and a lot of that was on me, you know, just, just I, my, my desires and, and passions were kind of shifted elsewhere. But as soon as I made that, that mental decision, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability total game changer. So I think for anyone um, who's like thinking about purchasing a business or is in the process of purchasing a business or becoming a part owner, like make sure you're in the, the right mental state um, yeah. because you might regret the decision, right? You might, you might find yourself in that rut. Um, so really make sure that you're willing to give it a hundred percent or 110% yeah. and jump in with both feet and, and really give it everything and it will be rewarding if you do, you know? So Sean, that's so good. You know, as, as, as you're saying that I'm just jumping in here because I, I think what you, what you said is, is interesting. And I'm curious if this was your mentality, because I feel like for me, for a long time, I wanted to work to attain part ownership in like one of the past businesses I'd worked in. And at the time I looked at that as a reward, like I've worked really hard. And so now I I deserve this seat at the table. I can make a little bit more money. I can, you know, relax a little bit. And obviously being a, a business owner now and, and kind of towards the end of end of my time at my previous job, I realized that even part ownership, it's it's not a reward. It's a it's a burden that it's like the the work the work starts when you become an owner. Everything that you that you think you've done so far just gets harder. It's not it's not a re- I mean, there is a reward to it because some things in your life do, you know, change a little bit, but that it's like now the real work begins and you can't look at it as like, okay, now I get to kick my feet up because I've worked hard and I deserve this. And for me, that was my mentality for a long time. I don't know if that, if that was how it was for you at all when you first, you know, made that move. I think so. You know, I think we're, we're all kind of um, unaware of the realities of being a business owner until we actually are. <laughs> and so there's kind of like this, you know, this entrepreneurial thought um, or the, or this thought of like, Oh, well, I want to be a business owner because all they do is go on vacations and get to kind of uh, dictate what happens and, and get to make a lot of money. And it's so far from the truth. Like I, I maybe for some businesses and giant corporations and stuff like that, that happens, but really uh, with small business, as you just, as you were just saying, it's, it's where the work starts really um, is yeah. becoming an owner. And, and I didn't really experience that being a part owner again, because my role in the company didn't really shift. Yep, exactly. Right? And so I still had this kind of almost uh, odd thought of like, okay, well taking over, this will be easy, <laughs> you know, taking over and running it and, and making a couple of changes and, and growing it it's going to be easy and I'm going to be, you know, in a year, we're going to be set to where I can, I can take more time and I can do the things I want to do. And it's, it's not that easy. And the thing I keep learning is it takes time. 
Um, it takes time yeah. to develop a business. It takes time for you to develop yourself as a business owner. Um, and you really got to be okay with, with that time and, and be committed. And I think that's why really, if you're going to do it, you got to make sure you're in it a hundred percent. Um, because it's, it's a life commitment really. Um, and sure, you can you can back out of it, and maybe for for others, you know, it might be easier than than some. But I think I think it's a challenge for anyone uh, becoming a business owner and diving into that, um, especially if they haven't been one before. Now, and why I say that is because if I was to start over, I think it'd be a hell of a, a lot easier, right? Because oh, yeah. of the knowledge I've got now after you know three well, you, you've years, you've been through the minefield. Exactly, you've been through the minefield. You can say, hey, you know, I'm not. I can run a lot faster now because I know where some of these things are. Totally, totally. But, um, but that doesn't mean I still would be learning, right? I still wouldn't be going yeah. through the pain and the challenges of running and scaling a business. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome to get that insight. And I'm curious, just you know, going back to and and this could be whether it was when you became a part owner. I guess I, I'm more interested when you when you fully bought your boss out, like how did you even determine a fair price? Like just for context, you know, for, for those listening, you guys are mostly a, a service and, and chimney business, but you do have a showroom and, and, and have some appliance sales as well. So how did, like, how did you even determine what a fair price was? Yeah, that was a challenge. So when I bought into the business, I wasn't really a part of the um, price determining um, factor there um, because I wasn't a part owner yet. Um, I kind of let uh, previous partners, Tony and Jeannie, kind of figure out what they thought was fair, what they thought the business was worth. And I know they would do me right because they're, they're really like family to me. And I know they really wanted to make it happen. Um, and the way we made it work is, you know, they determined a price. And, and honestly, I thought it was very fair. Um, I remember talking with um, uh, a family member about it who's really good about business and and finances and things like that and and it to them it, it looking at it from the outside in looked good and um and you know they were kind enough to kind of carry the financing you know we struck up a, a, a deal and a plan um, sure. to make it work for me and and i i can't thank them enough for for having the heart and and showing the kindness to do that because uh, not not very many business owners will um, do that, but the when when we bought them out completely, that was an interesting journey. Because again, you know, there was a period in time, like two years before we bought it, that we wanted to get. I wanted to get out of the business, and so the three of us had sat down, and of course, the first thought was, okay, well, we're going to sell this business for what our gross is you know, which at the time was around 500,000. And so, and, and that's what we kind of started marketing as, okay, we've got this um, chimney sweeping install retail shop, um, you know, where we do service sales installation. Um, we didn't own any property. We had two older trucks. They were like two, 2000 Fords, you know, and uh, all of our equipment, to be honest, was, was mostly dated. Um, and we just thought that it had this really high ticket value, right? And we we kind of tried advertising on our own for a little while um, and didn't really, we had no bites whatsoever. Yeah. You know, we're asking and we we're kind of 
making some posts here and there and, and kind of putting it out there. No interest whatsoever. So we thought, okay, maybe we need to get some professionals in here to kind of help us. So we talked to um, a broker. We talked to a real estate agent who ended up working with us, listing the business for sale. Uh, we talked with a couple of different um, big financial people too, try to get a lot of different perspectives on, on value. Um, and almost everyone you talk to has a slightly different form of what a business might be sure. worth. Um, but some of the common things that we found were your hard assets, right? So looking at you know inventory and trucks um, and equipment, you know those, those are like your hard assets, right? And, the, and those hold a certain amount of value. So that that goes into the cost. Um, and then there is you know kind of what um, what what the, what you make, you know, as a business owner, what, what is your net? Right. Right. And, and you kind of take those two and you add them together. And that's honestly what your business is worth from a lot of perspectives. Um, Now there's this other factor called the blue sky and the blue sky is like, you know, like your, your clientele. Totally. Totally. That's, that's not like a, a tangible thing though, right? It's how do you put a price on your customer list? Yeah, And that's a hard thing to determine um, because that value could be different one person to the next. And so that's kind of where that, that term blue sky comes in and talking with a couple of people, they were talking about that and saying, oh, well, you just kind of make it up. <laughs> and then you talk to other people and they'd say, oh, that's not, you can't do that, you know? So we, it was, it took us a good six months to really kind of decide on a price. And then after we, we listed it for a little while, well, we dropped it uh, two other times after that, yeah. trying to get interest. And we just, we did never got any interest, to be honest. We had one person show minor interest and asked, he, he called in and asked a couple questions and that's as far as it went. And so it was extremely discouraging. Um, and you know, during that time, I felt like my desire to be in the business and, and the business itself just kind of started dragging yeah. big time. Like it was almost going downhill at that point, um, being discouraged and, and, you know, having that thought of getting out of the business, but then it not happening. It was just, it was, it was a really challenging yeah. time for me personally. Um, but again, flipping that switch, you know, uh, mentally and saying, all right, well, it's time to go all in. We're, we're doing this, you know? Um, and it's kind of funny cause we reverted back to the original price I bought into the company for, and that's what we agreed on was a fair price. Okay. Um, so it, it's kind of funny our, you know, the initial thought of what the business was worth is what we ended up ending with yeah. too. Um, and you know, they were happy with it. I was happy with it and we've made it work. So it's, it's been, it's been good. Yeah, dude, that, that's such a journey. And I can only imagine, especially for them, like the, the personal investment they have in it, they want it to continue, but then there's no interest. You're trying to figure out the price. And I, I keep I keep thinking as I as I dive more into these conversations, I think so much with buying a business is all about like proving that the business will make money on repeat when someone just walks in and, and grabs the keys, you know, and just trying to figure out like whether it's a customer list, like, you know, our average customer spends this much money a year, we service their chimney or they buy a fireplace this often. And you're right. There is, there's a lot of speculation with it. Like a lot, it's because at the end of the day, it's just a negotiation of like, what do you think it's worth? And you've got these guardrails of like your net profit and your assets and everything. But that, I mean, I have to imagine that that really forms you going through that experience. And it really makes you think about the business a lot differently than before. 
We'll get back to our conversation with Sean Kramer in just one second. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to think about your estimating process. And you might say, well, what do you mean? It's easy. A customer comes in, we write up an estimate, we make the sale. But I will challenge you to say it's probably not that easy. In most businesses that I've seen, the estimate process is absolutely excruciating for the customer. Most often when a customer contacts your business, they're not given an estimate and it can take weeks for someone to come out to the house and put the numbers together. And very often by the time we finalize the bid, the customer's moved on. They've either bought online or they've decided not to buy at all. Well, Wi-Fire exists to help you write up lightning fast estimates. Seriously, this is a system where you can write up a customized fireplace estimate in about a minute and a half. And these things are accurate. It'll be customized with your labor, your vent kits, your products, and be presented in a way that is simple for your team to use and for your customer to understand. Now, in addition to that, Wi-Fi has a whole showroom package where we can take someone, as long as they have a third grade reading level, and they can be walking a customer through the right questions to ask, showing them fireplaces that will work, and presenting an estimate in just 10 minutes of training. I'm serious. It's really, really simple. And one of the things we just released that we're so excited about are showroom QR codes, where we can actually outfit your entire showroom, every single unit, with a QR code, where when it's a busy Saturday, a customer can scan it, answer questions about their project, see if that fireplace will work, and get an estimate to help move them through the funnel faster. If you've been struggling with this and you want to produce lightning fast estimates, you need to go to whyfire.com and sign up. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. I'm curious with you as a, as, a, as a young business owner, really thinking that, you, that you're just, you know, three-ish years into like fully running the business, like what are some of the most difficult things that you've encountered since you've been a business owner? Oh boy. Um, I think it, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of difficult things um, that I've encountered for sure. Um, but I think one of the hardest things is, is learning how to become a good and effective leader. Um, I think that's been the biggest challenge for me. Um and, and another thing is willing to sacrifice certain things um, for the success of our team or the success of our business or to serve our customers. Um, so I think, I think those two things, honestly, have, have been the hardest for me. You know, I'm very much, um, you know, an introvert. Um, so I'm not like, I'm not a very, like, I guess, outgoing person. I can be. Um, but uh, my natural tendencies is to not confront people and not, uh, address issues and not talk, you know, have hard conversations, um, and getting out of my, my comfort zone. Right. And as a business owner, uh, you have to be a good leader. You have to be an effective leader. Um, and it's taken me a little while to learn that, um, that how important that is. And then it's, it's, also taking a little while to figure out how to do that. And it, and it's interesting because before I realized how important it was, I was already working on that, like, like subconsciously in a way. Um, and it's, it's been something that um, you just, it, you, you've got to find resources and help for, I think, you know, you've got to have some guidance, um, having mentors, um, 
and having people that are good leaders that you can look up to and and watch or listen um, to 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 kind of help uh, help guide you and learn from. But but yeah, I becoming a leader and and again uh, making sacrifices because because I think those two things are very important things as a business owner that that you will have to do to find success. I think so. Hmm. I, I so agree with that. That I think. You know, John Maxwell says that that the leader is the lid on their company, and I, I mean, I've 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 found this in in my own businesses that as you keep going, at, at some point you're confronted with all of your weaknesses, all of your fears, and all of your insecurities. Like it just happens, yeah. and you get to choose whether you ignore those and instead inflate your ego to compensate, or whether you just own it and you figure out either how to hire people that can staff those liabilities or how to, you know, navigate those situations or how to overcome those fears and insecurities. But I think that, I think that for business owners listening, like it's, it's very true, you know, is I've had so many points in, in, in my time, you know, owning a business now where all my weaknesses have come out and it's, and it's very clear, like, man, we're failing here or I'm failing here. So, so what are we going to do about that? Yeah. And, and those are some of the difficulties that you don't always think about when you're, when you're going into it. I want to ask you this because I was, I was thinking about it. So you, you work with Jerry Eisenhower, right? As a business coach. Yes. Yes, I do. How'd you, how'd you get connected with him and what's that been like? Cause I mean, Jerry's been on this podcast before. He's a friend. He's an awesome, awesome guy. How'd you make that decision? Yeah. So that was, um, something, it was actually a referral. Um, so Bob Ferrari, uh, who's been in the industry for, um, I think 40 plus years, and he's kind of become a mentor of mine. Um, he's in Redding, California. So it's just South of us. Um, and it's funny because when we were looking at selling our business, I had actually reached out to him for the first time. Um, because I knew that he was, um, he was someone who was trying to grow his own business. And I'd reached out to him if, if he was interested in buying ours. And, um, and it was funny because, you know, when I did that, uh, we had a, a long conversation just kind of talking about um, what it takes to sell a business. And, and he had a lot of insight, too, on what, what businesses were really worth because he had purchased uh, a business, you know, um, and expanded his. And that kind of was the start of our relationship. And through that, you know, it's just kind of grown. I think over those years, I've reached out him to him a couple of different times for um, suggestions or what to do in certain circumstances. And I've done trainings with him because he is a, an educator in the industry. And we're kind of at a point where I finally realized I need help. Um, I, I kept running into a wall. I kept making the same mistakes and I was tired of making the same mistakes. And, and I, and I finally realized that I can't do this on my own. I mean, I, I, at that point been running the business for two and a half years and I felt like I had made um, 10 steps forward, but 20 steps backwards. Right. And so it just kind of, it hit me. Um, And, and part of that was actually listening to a podcast as well. Uh, Never listened to a podcast before. And it just, I I finally listened to one and um, it was John Caesar's lend me your ears, which I think we were talking about last week and how you just, uh, just listened to his podcast too. And it's about, you know, the chimney industry and, and uh, growing and scaling a business and all those struggles as well. 
and it just hit me. It's like, wow, there's other people going through these struggles too. There's like these resources out there. And so I, I realized I needed help and I reached out to Bob actually. And I was like, you know, Hey, I need, I want to, I need a mentor. I need a coach. Um, and I I'd initially um, approached him about it and I was really, really hesitant because he had a really rough year last year. Um, and, you know, personally he had, had a lot of hardship. Um, but, uh, he, he had made the decision to, um, suggest Jerry, um, because he felt that he would be a much better resource resource for us because of all that they do. Right. Um, and they do so much, you know, they have an online training platform. They have multiple coaches within their organization, including sure. Bob, yeah. like Bob is a resource within their organization, which just made a lot of sense. And so I had a conversation with Jerry. Um, I think I, I connected with him pretty quickly. I understood like what he was doing and, and really kind of respected his knowledge yeah. and his insight because he's been in the business. He's, he's been in so many different roles. He's done so many different things. And the more and more I learn about him, the more and more I realize how lucky I am to have him um, on board with us and how much I've learned from him. So it's been, it's been a wonderful journey with him so far. That's awesome. What's the biggest thing you've taken away since working with a coach? I think the biggest takeaway is uh, it's more of more of just like having the support, having someone to go to, having someone to talk to um, and not always, you know, having someone that has all the answers for you, because that's honestly not like the job of a good coach. You know, a good coach is not going to give you all the answers. They're going to help you figure out on your on your own, you know, for yourself what the right answer is, right? Yeah. And so, and Jerry's really good about yeah. that. You know, I, I we'll talk about we have weekly calls, and we talk in between, of course. But, um, you know, we'll sit down and it's you know, uh, what are the struggles? What's what are we dealing with? What's on my mind? And he'll help guide me through making um, figuring those things out and kind of brainstorming in a sense, but but really leaves it up to me to really make those decisions, but helps guide me find out what the right decision is for, for me and in, in my business. And I think that's been the biggest takeaway. That's been the most helpful thing is just having someone there and not feeling alone really, or isolated as a, as a business owner, because that, that can be depressing. <laughs> so. Oh, definitely. I mean, I just, I think about Stan Campbell, who's my mentor. He's been on this podcast before. And, and that's one of the, one of, one of the biggest things I've found is that if if I want to be effective as a as a leader and as as someone who's you know in charge of other people and decisions and stuff, it it can't. I, my my natural skill set is simply is not adequate to do that. It's not like the business will get to a point and then you know it's like the the, the saying that everyone rises to their own level of incompetence mm. because we all have one. Yeah, and and you know, a, a mentor or coach can help you actually raise your level of incompetence or at the very least become aware of it. So again, you can hire somebody to staff that liability. You, you can move past it. So many folks are just not aware of their level of incompetence because they've not invested in a coach or in a mentor. So I love that. And I'm curious. So with you coming in, I'm just, I got all these questions as I'm hearing about you, you know, being a young business leader, you're, you're growing your company now, you're, you're working on, on, on scaling and, and doing things differently what what was the biggest thing that you appreciated about kind of the previous generation of of the chimney industry whether it's the folks that you bought the business from or just 
maybe the the people that came before and have brought the business and the industry to this point? Like, what's the biggest thing you appreciate? Now, I also want to know what you want to do differently, but let's start with with what you appreciate. Yeah, so I think what I appreciate is the desire to help people. Like, I think I think that's really where our industry. Um, really uh, is different from a lot of other industries is like, we, we all want to help people. And, you know, going to the NCSG convention in Las Vegas, you know, a month ago where we met um, meeting so many people there new and old, as far as being in the industry, um, I was really finding myself gravitating towards a lot of the older people uh, in the industry. Um, And just curious about the conversations they were having and their insight and their ideas about the industry. And, and I think, I think what I appreciate is just, yeah, again, the, the care that they show um, for the industry. um, I think that that is really unparalleled and then just the care for, for the people that we're serving too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What are you doing differently though? Than, than like the folks that had the business previously or than maybe what the, what the prior generation has done? What are you doing differently in your approach to your business? Yeah, so that's, that's a hard one for me. I mean, it, with, within my business, um, you know, we've changed a lot of things. We've done a lot of things. We had a, you know, uh, before we took over, we we're very old school, everything done, you know, on paper, writing everything out, paper notes and paper invoices and paper reports and, um, paper files for everything, uh, doing our scheduling with a, you know, a at a glance yearly calendar book with the daily pages sure. and writing everything in by pencil. I mean, you know, uh, this is very old school. And so, uh, you know, we made a lot of changes there, you know, getting softwares and, you know, having a CRM um, and, and starting to work really on, on growing and scaling the business, I think is one of the biggest changes that we've, that we've done. Um, But as far as like what makes us different or what we're doing different, um, that kind of makes us unique or different maybe from the previous generation is, um, is kind of, I guess, trying new things and, and, and not being afraid to take risks I think I think that's one of the biggest things that I see with this next generation of um, leaders in the chimney sweep industry is there's a lot more people taking risks um, or willing to take risks, and I certainly feel that within our business. Um, you know, our, our the, my previous partners were very kind of conservative, um, and they ran a very consistent business for many many years. Um, and it was, it, and it worked really well for them. But I think with newer generations, you know, millennials in particular, because I'm a millennial, um, and and yeah. a lot of these, you know, new leaders and business owners, they're millennials too. And we we have a little bit more of a desire to to, um, I don't know, achieve and accomplish, and a bit more of a drive to fulfill like our inner. Um, our inner desires. I, th- I think there's just, there's more, there's more, there's something more there. And I think that ties into taking those risks. Um, we're less afraid maybe. Um, 
or more willing. I'm not sure which one it is because uh, I certainly feel afraid a lot of the time. And yet I make some, I, I, I take a lot of big risks, I think. Um, but I, I think we're also uh, a type of generation that experiments a lot too. We're willing to try something to see if it works. And if it doesn't, then we'll move on or learn, hopefully learn from it. Um, and so I think that's kind of like the biggest thing that's, that's different really is willing to take the risks to fulfill like our desires, our dreams, our goals, our visions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so true. And I, and I feel like you kind of touched on it as well. Being a millennial is I feel like we have such a sense of wanting to be more than, than what's come before. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think that like millennials in a lot of ways have seen the failure of the American dream, right? They've seen their parents, work really hard in the system and then the system spits them out or even things like you like many millennials have seen like marriages disintegrate because of like work fatigue and all these different things and and i think that i think that uh there's just a a desire to say like i want something more and and that can come in a lot of different ways and even just from the conversations we've had i know that a big thing for you is pouring into your people can you talk a little bit about how you pour into your people and what you're trying to do for them yeah, well, I think that stems from just I I want to help people, like like, and and I care for people, um, and I think that's um, and that and that goes through the the business, you know, and and so creating a team um, is is a hard thing to do, um, you know, and and as a business owner, that's where like that leadership kind of has to be developed and and definitely needs to be there to, to develop a good team. Um, but I think, you know, investing in my people and putting a lot of time uh, into my people is because ultimately I want them to succeed. I want them to win because I care enough yeah. about them as individuals. Um, I mean, it could be a complete stranger walking in, you know, it could be a client I've never, you know, dealt with before walking in and I'm the type of person that will immediately try and create a relationship with them, develop a relationship for them, because I just have a care for people and, and I want to help them. I want them to be happy. Yeah. And I want to, to you know, with, with a customer, it's a little bit different because we're not, you know, I'm not trying to help them succeed in life. <laughs> I'm just trying to help them succeed in their heating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But, um, but with em- employees or, or a team, that that's totally different because you're re- as as a business owner or a leader you're responsible for them like you you play a major role in their life and they've given you the opportunity to help with that and so i just feel a great um desire and and purpose to to fulfill that to the best of my ability like I don't want to be that that business owner, the the type of person that's only there for me, and I'm just hiring people to do the job and to make me more money. That is not me whatsoever. Yeah. And I I really have a desire to ever ever since we took over, I've always had. And this is this is always ring true for me. Um, I've always had a desire to build a business to where people want to work here, right? Um, and build a business where it can support people's lives and, and create a, a good lifestyle for people. We live in a community where there's not very many opp- opportunities, good opportunities, mm. job opportunities, career paths, and things like that. And I really want to be a part of making a difference there. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that ties into my desire to make an impact on our community. Yeah. Um, and part of it might be a little, uh, you know, egotistical thinking of being uh, known for that and being seen as that, being someone who has created something like that. You know, that's kind of, you know, I think long term. You know, looking back and 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 being someone or being having a company where it's like, wow, you know, they've done really well. They've got a company that has been able to grow and scale, um, be successful, and have a uh, a um, oh gosh. Um, uh, a culture. I don't know why I couldn't think of that <laughs> word. Uh, ha- having a culture um, that is rewarding and fulfilling and shows care and um, that people want to be a part of. Um, and I think, you know, a part of that desire also just comes into seeing a void. You know, I, I'm very much the type of person, if I see a void in something, if I see a lack thereof, or see a deficiency or see a gap in something, man, I want to fix that gap. I want to bridge, you know, bridge that gap, um, fill that void, make a difference and, and make an impact. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so awesome. And there's so much to resonate with it on just the level of wanting to pour into your people and give them an opportunity, like make this Mm -hmm. a place where if they choose to, you know, they could work here for a long time and be and be better for it. And and I guess maybe to, to close this out, you know, going back to when we first met, getting ready for that 5K and you were talking about your podcast, you know, your your show is awesome. I've listened to it now for, you know, I don't know, a month or so since we got back from from Vegas. So so what inspired you to start the Life of a Chimney Sweep podcast? And like for folks listening, what are they gonna get when they tune in and listen to it? Yeah. So, um, starting with the inspiration, um, it kind of, uh, came from other people doing podcasts in the industry. So John Caesar being one of them, um, Mark Stoner was another one, uh, kind of in the beginning, um, with his podcast, blue collar gold, um, listening to them doing podcasts, you know, these, those they are pretty big companies, I think in our industry, really well known, you know, John Caesar, I think has seven trucks, um, uh, Mark Stoner, I don't know where he's at right now. I think he's upwards Dude, around I, 50 I saw or him, something. Yeah, I saw him like three days ago and he, and, he, and he said he's got like, it's like 35 and they're adding 10 more this year. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're on they're on the, the path to 50 trucks, but, um, you know, tons of employees and, and very successful in that regard as far as growing and scaling. Um, but honestly, I think that, and, and, you know, so I've been thinking about doing my own podcast for like a couple of months, but the thing, the that pushed me into actually doing it was this weird kind of uh, event um, that kind of took me off guard a little bit, but we, I was, I was happened to be in the shop for like half a day or something like that. And we had a delivery come in and the delivery guy um, was kind of started asking me these, these weird questions like, Oh, you know, kind of like, where's, where's the boss or what's the boss up to? I can't remember exactly the question, but I was like, Oh, well I'm the boss, you know, I'm the owner here. And he's like, no, you're not the owner, you know, and, you know, being this kind of young guy out there receiving a, a, a you know, a delivery, um, you know, and he's like, most bosses are, you know, taking on vacation or they're in their sitting in their office or, or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's not really me, <laughs> you know, and, and we just started kind of talking and he, and we started talking about business and I learned that he has his own business that he's kind of started and that he was doing uh, on the weekends. And he just was wanting to know, like, how did I grow this business to where it was at with these trucks and this building? And it blew me away because I felt extremely small up until that point. Like, I felt like, oh, man, I'm on the bottom bottom of the totem pole, right? 
but having someone um, look up and, and see and think that we were so big and successful really kind of changed my perspective. And it, it gave me this, this um, inspiration of, hey, there's other people that are just starting. There's people that are smaller. There's people that haven't maybe gone through the things that I have already gone through, even though I'm still learning so much. And maybe I can help them. Maybe there's, there's a way I can help them. So that was kind of like the, the, the huge inspiration for me to just finally do it. That following weekend, I recorded my first podcast and, and jumped in, um, knowing I didn't have the time to do it, but I just, I've made it work. Um, now, as far as like what people can get out of the podcast, I think it, I, I talk a lot about like business, um, as far as what I've gone through, some of my struggles, some of the things that have helped me, um, and granted, you know, we're a small business, we've got eight employees, uh, four trucks. Um, but I think, um, we're on the path to scaling and growing. And so a lot of the things that we've been talking about and doing and implementing, I think can help a lot, uh, a lot of other people just starting or, th- or thinking about scaling or growing. Um, but I also talk a lot about just like personal development too. Like that's a big thing for me. Um, I'm really big about personal development for myself and I'm always trying to do better, uh, become a better person, uh, in turn, be a better leader. And that's how I approach my business. Like I really drive my, um, my team and my, my staff to be better people. Um, and to lead and guide them through that, through that and educate them. So that comes through a lot in my podcast, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm excited for people to be able to listen to it. They can check it out on Spotify and you gave us a ton of value. Thanks a ton for, for coming by and having this conversation, man. We're better for it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Tim, for having me on board. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. So. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sean. I love getting to talk to that guy, and I'm just excited to see where the relationship goes. You know, thinking about this this whole idea of of the chimney industry versus the the fireplace industry, it's, it's just so funny how divided we are. I think that for many fireplace retailers, they think, oh, well, chimney sweeping is dirty and it's messy, it's low dollar. And I want to sell high dollar appliances, but I'll tell you, there are chimney companies that are doing, I mean, 10, 15, $20,000 jobs with less than a thousand dollar cost of goods. They're doing high dollar, high margin work. And it's not just dirty, greasy work. It's actually incredibly valuable. And as a retailer, I mean, this can give you major control of the sales pipeline. Now on the chimney sweep side, I would say that for many chimney sweeps, they think that just running a business, you know, out of their van is is the right way to go. And and it could be. And and like I said before, there was great margin in, in the service work, but you know, when you have a retail showroom, what it does is it opens you up to a line of business that you're not getting right now. In general, these are two different types of customers, and both are incredibly important. When you have a showroom with dedicated units, a dedicated sales team, and the ability to follow up with your prospects that came in, I mean, it opens you up for all kinds of high-dollar business that you've never had before. So I think that both can honestly learn a lot from each other, and my hope is that we can really start to, to bridge that divide. But I would say, if you're a hearth retailer listening to this, 
you honestly need to join the NCSG and start going to their national show every year. It was absolutely powerful. You know, when I was out there, one of the things that was so crazy, like I said at the beginning, is I saw people that that competed with each other that were just a couple miles away referring each other to different product lines that would help them to services and software to try to make it easier to do what they do. And one of the nights at the trade show, there was an awards banquet. And literally, like the NCSG has an award called the Friendship Award, where they literally, they award the best friend. Who was the best friend to the industry and to each other? And I saw three grown men get up and cry in front of the whole group as people are talking about it. You know, they're given these awards and the entire industry is cheering. They're hooting and hollering because they're in it together and they want to win. And it was so different than like the stuffy award shows that I've seen on the fireplace side where it's, you know, some marketing person for a company that's disconnected with their retailers accepting an award that, that very few people care about. And, and I was just, I was very moved by watching how this was done. And, and honestly, I would like to replicate something like this on the hearth side because it was very powerful. So, you know, my hope as you listen to this conversation with Sean is just that you realize you're not alone. I think, I think that in, in Sean's journey and in, and in my journey at different points, one of, the, one of the biggest areas of our growth was reaching out for community, whether that was a friend, a business coach, or, or even a competitor that you call up and you start asking like, what can I do to get better? I think, I think that community really is the key for us to win. And I hope that this conversation just gave you some hope that there are people out there that, that care about you and that are in this with you. Now, if this conversation has been a blessing to you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash it's fire time. As we round out, my hope would be that you subscribe to Sean's podcast. Again, it's on Spotify and you can search for life of a chimney sweep and find it. And as an action item, once this is over, I, I would like you to write down the name of one person you could call and just talk to about how you're doing in your business and ask how they're doing. I mean, again, this is someone in the industry, a sales rep, another retailer that you know, someone you're connected to through your industry association, whether that's the NCSG, the CSIA, or the HPBA. But I want you to call up one person and have a conversation about your business because truly, this is how relationships start. It's how me and Grant Falco met. And there are tons of people that you could be growing your relationship with and getting better together if you'll take the first step and reach out. So I hope you guys have an amazing week. We're signing off for now and we'll talk again real soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into buying.